you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. If it isn't already, finishing well ought to be one of your most important goals in life. It certainly is a moment that our Lord and our God looks forward to, according to this verse. You're making it there? Your presentation before His presence? The celebration of all that He did through you and the honor and glory that it will bring to Him. There are a number of passages in Scripture that we might refer to and I'm referring to as great endings or very familiar benedictions in the Bible. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those. These have a a purpose in the expression of God's will for us in Scripture, and they've taken an important role in Christian liturgies for these two purposes. Great endings teach us that what we have learned is to be applied to our future, and that the future is to be part of our perspective in the present. If you could move to the next slide, please. These teach us that what we have learned is to be applied to our future and that the future is to be part of our perspective in the present. That is a very important perspective. And even if these passages that we're going to look at are not familiar to you personally, you should know that they have become easily recognizable to many who have gained a certain familiarity with the Scriptures. And there's a reason that each one of these is so memorable. And that reason comes out of both their context and their meaning. There are great lessons in these passages, and we will look at each one of these and draw out some lessons that, if applied well, will help us finish well. So, today we're going to look at Jude 24 and 25, perhaps the most famous ending that comes out of one of the most fear-instilling contexts. And there'll be some clear application for us dads and for men in general this morning on this Father's Day. Lesson number one on finishing well, be careful. Then next week we're going to look to Romans, where at the end of chapter 11, Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? The most awestruck ending that comes out of one of the most confounding passages in all of Scripture. Romans 9-11. through Lesson number two, on finishing well, be amazed. Then we're going to go to Hebrews and we're going to look at that great ending, the great shepherd of the sheep who through the blood of the eternal covenant and so on. The most personal ending that comes out of perhaps the most human handling of both our Lord Jesus Christ and ourselves 
in our Christian walks. Lesson number three, be assured. And then we will go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The simplest and the most comforting ending coming out of arguably the most troubling and difficult church in the New Testament. Lesson number four, believe. So today I want to begin with Jude 24 and 25. As I said, probably the most famous benediction in Scripture coming out of one of the most fear-instilling contexts. When was the last time that you heard a message out of Jude? Do you know why? Because it doesn't fall within the top ten of the most encouraging passages in Scripture. This is not the 23rd Psalm. This is not the romantic comedy of Scripture passages, one of those feel-good things, or like the video that we watched, you know, that jerks a little tear out here and there. This is more like a war movie out of the Bible. It's sobering. It's even angering. This is a letter written to all of us, but among other things, and there are many, this is a man's chapter. There are lessons in this letter that are hard, they're harsh, they're unfettered, and they're direct. Jude says he wants to talk about the good news. We saw that in verse 3. Dear friends, although I was eager to share with you about and, and write to you about the salvation that we share, yeah, that's what he wanted to do. Instead, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Instead, there's an issue that needed to be addressed, and he has the courage to be responsible and deal with it. Jude is not going to be appointed a diplomat for his careful presentation of a difficult message. He's put at the end of the Bible to introduce and prepare the reader for the final word of God about the end of times and the plight of man. This is why this is a good word for considering our finishing well. I've mentioned a couple of times that uh, when I was in high school, they offered Bible classes for us during the Sunday school hour. We had some remarkable teachers because of where my, my church was that I grew up in, proximity to Wheaton College, Moody Bible Institute. We had some remarkable teachers. So, uh, but in high school, I, you know, like every other kid, um, was interested in, you know, anything but studying the Bible at that time. And they were offering a uh, class on Jude, and it met in the balcony, which I thought was cool. Um, And then secondly, how long could that last? You know, so I'm going to go to that one. Wow. A guy took an entire semester and taught out of Jude. How could somebody take such a short letter and make it so long? Well, I'm afraid now I could do the very same thing. And as I prepared for this this week, that was one of my problems. So I would like to just pull one theme out of this letter for the men here today. I'm sure the women will have a lesson to learn as well. You can listen in. And for fathers, if you are one, but for all men, because 
we need to hear this. So here's the theme I'd like to pull out. It's a theme about authority. And we see this a number of different places through the book, explicitly and then implicitly. Very, very beginning, Jude calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. We're going to see in a moment just what kind of deference to authority that phrase has. And then uh, in verse 4, he speaks of these people who deny Jesus Christ as our only sovereign and Lord. Then he goes on in verse 6 to speak of the angels who did not keep their positions of authority. And then he goes on to speak of his present day rebellious who in the very same way polluted their own bodies and reject authority. And then in verses 20 and 21, he'll speak of our needing to build ourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring eternal life. That too is a deference towards authority. And then, of course, the ending of the doxology that says to this one, to the one and only God, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ before all ages now and forevermore. Now, let me start by showing you how important this concept of authority is by going to Matthew chapter 8. And you may be familiar with this passage, but there's a time when um, in Matthew chapter 8, a certain man comes to the Lord. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. He said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, or another translation says, amazed. Jesus was amazed. Think about that. You know, that's right up there with, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Right? Jesus was amazed. That's amazing in and of itself. Because this man understood authority. And he shows greater faith than anyone else in all of Israel. He isn't even a Jew. Because this man understood authority, in so doing, faith was its great byproduct. So get this down. Understand and accept authority, and with it comes faith, and it is strong. You recognize God's authority, you accept it, and then you can trust Him. You can place your faith in Him. That's why this theme of authority is so important in Jude. Now, that being said, here's the tough message of Jude. That understanding and accepting accepting God's authority is a great weakness of ours. In this we fail, in this we sin. Look at verses 5 through 8. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. 
And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. And in the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies and reject authority and slander celestial beings. And he goes on in verse, to verse 10, describing that. In verse 10, he finishes by saying, and then they're destroyed by this. So people saw his authority, but they wouldn't believe. Angels relinquished their authority, and they suffer for it. The infamous Sodom and Gomorrah questioned authority, and they were judged for it. And the current day to Jude, reject it, and eventually are destroyed by it. You see why you don't hear a lot of messages out of Jude? Again, I don't want to get too lost in all there is in this letter, but let me just show you the timeless message of this writer. Because the obvious response to somebody who can struggle with authority is, well, I'm not those people, and I haven't done any of those things. Those people lived a long time ago. Here's the timeless message. Look at verse 11. Woe to them, referring to all these who struggle with authority. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Now, here's the timeless lesson. Cain happened... Six to 8,000 years ago. We don't even know how far back, but that was a long time ago. He was the son of Adam and Eve who killed his brother Abel. Balaam, 3,500 years ago, the prophet who was paid by Balak to curse the people of Israel but couldn't end up cursing. But for the money, he tried to do it anyway. Korah, he led a rebellion under Moses. Again, 3,500 years ago, more or less, questioning Moses' authority and his leadership. And there was an earthquake, and he and all of his guys fell in and died, thousands of them. And then Jude, 2,000 years ago, current day examples, who were doing the same thing. Now here's the point. Examples spanning 10,000 years are all guilty of doing the same thing. In other words... This is man's problem throughout all of history, which means it's still ours. So there are three ways in which we mess up according to this verse. Cain, in his foolishness, should have known better. He questions authority. God comes to him, remember? And he said, don't, don't do it. Sid is crouching at the door. And yet he kind of says, who are you? And he does it anyway. Balaam out of selfishness. He knows he can't curse the people of God, and yet he tries because of the money. He underestimates authority. Ah, what will he really do? Korah is presumptuous. He thinks he is better than Moses, and so he misplaces authority. Well, what about me? Don't I have a place in this? And we have struggled with these things ever since. Now, before we drop into catatonic states of depression, um, (laughs) we are talking about finishing well. And today's great ending is very, very promising. So where's the hope? Where's the remedy? 
What's the proper response to authority? There are three things I'd like to show you that I think are a good response to authority and help us finish well. The first is found in verse 1, and it's about humility. Now this I have to explain to you a little bit, because (laughs) Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. We have to consider Jude himself and consider who he is. He's the brother of James. Now, we've just been walking through Acts, so I explained to you once before, uh, as we dealt with in Acts chapter 12, this is not James the disciple, because he was killed shortly after. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. And that makes Jude the half-brother of Jesus, and the full brother of James. Yet in his humility... He expresses who he is in deference to his brother who is the head of the church in Jerusalem. That's his claim to fame. James, my brother, the head of the church in Jerusalem and a servant of Jesus Christ. He does not claim to be his relative. What humility. Yet he speaks with clarity and authority. He isn't weak and useless. He is a man in what he addresses. But he is speaking in his proper place of service to this ultimate authority. One, by the way, that he mocked at one point in time. John chapter 7, verse 3, if you want to go and read it later. He was a mocker of Jesus. Now he's a follower. And in proper authority recognizes himself as his servant. He accepted Jesus' authority and he humbly serves him. Remedy number one is humility, recognizing God's authority and accepting it. The second remedy is found in verse 21. If we go there, we read, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourself in God's love. The second thing we should do is rest in God's authority. We must accept God's authority. It is always the first step, recognizing it. Out of that comes faith, and faith in what He has done, and what He has done is He has loved you first. This must be remembered. It is promised, and you can rest in that. In spite of your failure and your sin, this is God's promised response. Love to those who accept it. You know what that means? That means that God, gentlemen, you've got to listen to this. God is not disappointed with you. And we all say, well, no, you don't get it. You don't know me. In my weaknesses, in my failures, in my sin. God is not disappointed in you because He paid the price for what you did against Him. What He will be is tremendously disappointed if you do not accept His love. That will be God's disappointment. We need to know that we are loved so that we can carry out our God-given responsibilities to those that are around us. 
And then in doing so, we need to love others as he loved us. In our arenas of authority, we need to be defined by our love over those that we influence. Of course, God was displeased by sin, but he paid the price. And now his disappointment would lie in you not living in the reality of that love. So remedy number two is to rest in God's authority. He loves me first. And then finally, we, the third one I see is in <clears throat> verses 24 and 25, the great doxology here. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling. Now, that assumes that you're walking. This requires that you are doing what He has given you to do and that He is going to use you and make you a prize to be celebrated in the end. So you walk in your God-given authority and the purpose that He's designed for you. So the remedy to our timeless lesson of rebellion against God is to humbly accept God's authority to rest in His authoritative love for us and those around us, and then to walk in fulfilling the purpose of love and influence to those that He's given under our authority. So here's the lesson. It's so easy for us to mess it up. For thousands of years, we've been perfecting it as an art, haven't we? Men, we each are all too aware of how well we have developed our own inabilities. <laughs> Ignoring them or even just admitting them is not enough. But getting a handle on authority means we really can do this as a father, as a husband, as a man. God has given us roles of authority, and this is what I mean by that. Influence, direction, care, protection, mentoring. I believe those are the God-given forms of authority that He has given to us. Influence, direction, care, protection, mentoring. Those He means for us to carry out. And it's not impossible, but it is not for us to do on our own either. Men, we have reason to fear because we know our own weaknesses. And we are certainly not up to the task. But our God says, I have a very good ending in mind. A great finish. Just be careful. You can't do this alone. You need me and all of my authority. So this is how it's done. Humbly accept authority from where it comes. Our good God. He must have that place in our lives. And he shares that role in our lives. True humility understands both of those. You can properly influence others because you are being influenced by him. Then you rest in his authority, in his love. You have all that you need. And when that's true, you can offer that kind of love to others. He mentions it in a couple times in 22 and 23. Be merciful to those who doubt and show mercy. With, uh, to, to others as well. 
And then walk in your God-given authority. He can keep you from falling. He will present you in His presence without fault and with great joy. There is unspeakable joy to look forward to. To that one and only God be glory, majesty, power, and authority both now and forevermore. Amen. Heavenly Father, would you be pleased in how we respond to you? We're so grateful for how you've responded to us in our questioning your authority, in our underestimating your authority, in our rejecting your authority. We have sinned. Yet through Jesus Christ, you have paid for that price. You have paid for that rebellion. And you long to take we weak and frail and inadequate men And prove to this world what great love you have for us. That you would choose us. That you would empower us. That you would fill us. That you would use us for your purposes. And make of us on that great day trophies of your grace and your work. Faultless. With great joy to your honor and to your glory would you continue to work that work in our lives as we humbly submit to you as we rest in you as we walk in what you have given us to do in Jesus name we pray amen